check, check, check. If you're hearing the sound of my voice or watching this on YouTube, that means you're now tuning to another chapter of the Introverted Intuition Podcast. My name is Jeff, a.k.a. The Petty Podcaster, a.k.a. The Ambitious Introvert, a.k.a. The Leader of the Libras. Uh, CR is not present tonight. He has food poisoning. Uh, I'm not sure what he ate, but we'll find out next episode. But tonight, um, we have returning guests, probably my favorite guest on Introverted Intuition, probably one of my favorite people I've only met once, which has never happened before. Um, and I have her again tonight to talk about a lot. Uh, please reintroduce yourself to our audience and introduce yourself to our new members of the audience as well. Hi, I'm Debrie Velasquez. I am um, Texas raised, but I live in New York, in Brooklyn, and I'm a writer and content creator. Nice. Welcome back to the show. How are you? It's been, I think, over a year since you've been on the show, and since the last time you've been here, so much has happened. How are you? I'm I'm all right, you know, all things considered. Um, I don't have coronavirus, so that's a blessing, and um, I'm just, you know, hanging in there and I've been just working and just trying to keep, you know, keep sane really, because it's just, there's so much going on. So, yeah. It's way too much. I've been feeling a little off like these past like two days and I'm like paranoid to get tested and I'm yeah. trying to convince myself it's COVID. Have you felt that way at all? Yeah. I've been, I've been having a lot of like that random, like just anxiety about it, you know, cause it's like, we, and you can't help, like, I, I've been around people, and, like, I just got back to New York a couple days ago, and the flight that I was on was packed, and, like, so I was just so nervous the whole time, like, I was elbow to elbow with people in the seats, you know, and um, people were coughing and stuff, and it's just, and in Texas, I, I came from Texas where I was quarantined, and, like, the numbers are crazy out there, so... I'm nervous, but like I'm, I'm trying to like isolate and be responsible about it. So you know. When did all this feel real for you? Was it like back in what was it end of February, early March, or did it just start feeling real to you? Um, it got like really real to me in mid March, like when my job, my nine to five, like they they told us don't come in, and then like I think someone at the office got it, and that made me so nervous. And then when I started quarantine, like um, I was doing it here in Brooklyn for a little bit and like the neighborhood that I'm in is normally like pretty lively and loud and it was like a ghost town. And that just, it like really hit me. And then I was like, I got to get out of here because I was getting like nervous. And, um, you know, I have, a, I have a chronic illness. So it's like my immune system is like trash. So I was thinking about like, man, this is the way I'm gonna go out. Like, this is it. And um, and then I went to Texas to be with my family, and it it just hit me. Like, I felt like a fish out of water, and I felt just very out of place. And it, that's that's when it really like got to me. I was like, for a long time, I was really like low. I was low. I was really like depressed and down, probably until like May. Mm. And I just every day I would wake up and I was just like, man, what's going on? You know, like, I just, I don't know. But that could be a Libra thing. Like, do you have, do you have a sense of, do you like having a sense of control? Um, yeah. And honestly, when the pen, the quarantine happened, like, I, I'm, I'm naturally introverted. So like staying in the house is really fine for me. But yeah. this time felt different because I was forced into the situation. So the loss of my routine, the loss of going to the gym and work every day, that like really affected me the most. And then I didn't really enjoy, I still don't really enjoy like being in the house and the introverted. It, it, it's, it just feels yeah. so different this time around. The yeah. loss of my routine has like been the hardest thing. Yeah, same. I've just been trying to find a routine and, you know, and now I have to get like reacclimated to everything here. And it's just like, like I was just starting to get into a groove when I was in Texas. I was going on walks and like, you know, the whole thing and I was watching the sunset and stuff. But like here, I'm just in my apartment. I'm chilling, you know, I mean I missed my bed, but like and there's things that I miss, but it's it's just different. It's for me it's like really different. So I'm I'm trying to adjust, but I'm trying to like keep my thoughts like afloat, you know. 
Were you still working while you were in Texas or was it just to mainly just to decompress and quarantine and be with family and stuff? Yeah, I was working. Um, and I, I have like with my work, like I have so many deadlines all the time. So I was like allowing myself to like kind of push the limit a little bit just because I was like, I was trying to tell myself that I deserved to rest and relax. Um, so I was still working and I had like the pressure of, you know, I know that a lot of people have gotten laid off and furloughed and stuff. And so I understood the blessing that it was to have a job still. I didn't want to take advantage of that. But at the same time, I didn't have like for a long time, I haven't had the mental capacity to actually work and like be super productive. And I up until recently, like I feel like I was having a lot of guilt for that because, you know, I was just like. Some of my peers were like really thriving and using this time to be like productive and come up with all these cool ideas. And I, I haven't really been that motivated or inspired. You know, it's it's been a lot for me to even want to get up and take a shower sometimes. So um, or I've been taking a lot of showers. That's my my way of dealing with it. Like I've been kind of ODing like on weird things where I'm just it's just, I don't have a sense of control, you know, and, and there's yeah. no routine. So I'm like, all right, this is going to be the third shower of the day for no reason, you know? <laughs> yeah. And just, I, and so, yeah, the lack of like control and my plans and everything that I had planned for like spring and summer, like obviously that's not happening and I'm still trying to adjust, but I'm trying to be more gentle on myself and like not be so fearful of like, the future, what could happen? It's funny, like, I, I just, I've still, I've still kind of drowned myself in social media, unfortunately, because I'm, I'm trying to walk this line between, like, being aware and, like, being at peace. Yeah. But in the midst of all that, like, I've developed, like, this, um, also guilt, but, like, um, I don't want, a bit like I, I don't know like my negative attitude and negative perception of myself is like really increased during this time honestly yeah uh, I, I've been feeling I mean the one tweet I really see around is that like that I used to see around uh, a lot around the beginning of quarantine is like use this as an opportunity to learn something new and come out of this stronger yeah but, like you like I had like no motivation to do anything and I felt like really bad about myself because it's like I have all this time to do these things and mostly what I do is like like podcasting and writing, like that's like the best thing that could reach many people, especially during this time because everyone's home on their yeah. own and stuff like that. But I just, I started doubting my contribution to my audience and the people who follow me and like just the world. And like, it got really dark and it still is a bit like that, but it's just tough. It's tough yeah. to like navigate through this time with a healthy mind and also maintaining that awareness as well. It's like, you want to, pay attention to everything that happens, mm -hmm. know the updates, but it's like, it's taxing. Yeah. Yeah. That's been my biggest, like, right when I was starting to get to a good, like mental state, like, and I'm just, I'm being just very honest and vulnerable. Like, but um, when I was finally starting to get to a good place, like the George Floyd situation happened and, you know, and then it just got like, for, I think for everyone, it got really low. Like anyone who's paying attention, like, you know, it, it just got really heavy. And then like the protests started happening and I felt like a lot of pressure to to show up for that. And so I went to two different protests um, and rallies, but like, then I started feeling anxious and nervous about like getting sick. I was like, man, I'm out here. Like, am I doing myself a disservice? You know, like on one hand, I'm showing up and I'm being a part of the movement and I'm like being vocal and active. But then on the other hand, like I'm not putting my health first. And it just started for me. I was juggling all these different emotions and feelings and like all the news just was so depressing and sad all the time. I was just, you know, I was just torn. Like I wanted to do all these things, but then at the same time, I just wanted to shut down and like go to sleep too. Cause I just didn't know how to handle it. And I'm, I'm just now getting back to a normal, like level headed mindset and coming here, like helped me do that. Cause I'm in complete silence and solitude and it's, it's helping me recharge. But like, 
that's it's it's been such a like I, what we're all going through right now is just like a lot this is like so overwhelming right and and i texted you about like a protest and stuff like that i felt guilty for not going but i was honest i was honestly like really scared to go because i was yeah. seeing what was happening to people while they were out there and uh from someone who's been at the protest like what was it what was it like from your perspective when the two two times you went yeah it was for me it was peaceful like i i made sure that the people i went with um both times like knew ahead of time what my boundaries were like my physical boundaries like i made sure that everyone around me who was in the the group i was with like was going to wear masks and it wasn't going to be a problem um, that we were all going to social distance from the crowds so that we were going to walk on the outskirts like and not be all up in the mix like that um and then just like we're going to stay hydrated we're going to have our hand sanitizer like i made sure you know or me and my friends like we all made sure all the logistics were taken care of because i didn't want to put us at risk and i definitely i didn't want to be at risk um because of my compromised immune system. Like that's so important for me right now. And it's been a little uncomfortable like drawing those boundaries because part of my compl like a com complex I have with myself is that I feel the need to say yes and to people please sometimes. And even if it's against like my own good. And like, I think that's like a Libra thing. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, this like, you know, and it's, I just put the pressure on myself. At the end of the day, it's like, it's not a big deal if I say no to some stuff. But, you know, I I think what I've realized, like, observing myself is that I tend to want to show up for everything and say yes. And, like, during a pandemic, you, you can't. You can't do that. Like, you have to put yourself first and your health first. So I think that, like, I don't believe in, in shaming people who didn't go protest or go out in public. Like that's all up to the individual. And like, you have to do what feels right for you because at the end of the day, you're going to have to deal with the consequences if you do get sick or if you get hurt or injured from the police, you know, like all the crazy stuff that was happening. Um, you know, people who were, I was out on the front lines and, I told my friends the minute that I feel uncomfortable physically, I'm out. Like, I'm out. No questions. Don't try to convince me to stay. No, nothing. Like, because I barely even feel like this. You know, I'm I'm barely at the edge of like thinking that this is a good idea for my health. But on top of that, if my safety is at risk, or if any of my people's safety is at risk, like we're out. And that was a non-negotiable. And like. Luckily, nothing happened to us. We were good. We were safe. Um, but I understand that's not the experience for a lot of people, you know, and someone like you, like you would have more of a target on you because you're a black man, you know. So I understand, like, if you chose, if you or anyone decides not to go or not to participate, that's absolutely valid to me. I understand completely. You know, it's funny, like, I guess I'm so selfless in the sense that I because I have that target, I would have rather take that target and whatever that came from it rather than someone else take it, like another black woman or even another black man, right? Like I, I, I just but at the same time, like I am I was really terrified. Like I, yeah. I this is like my I feel like for a lot of us, this is like probably the most traumatic times we're experiencing back to back in real time. Like around like say like twenty five to like thirty, like this age group of people, this is like all happening to us real time and I just I got cold feet and I felt guilty because it's like these people like yourself are risking their, their own health and their own safety and their own time to, to do this and I'm just like I'm not showing up and I just if you are though you know and I think I texted you that too it's like and I'll tell anyone this like we you have to someone told me this earlier they they said you know that they're asking themselves how like what does me showing up look like and it's not always you're not always going to best be utilized with your skills and your your talent through like being out in the streets like for someone like you you have a gift you have a platform where you share stories and where you talk through things with people and we're talking about real things and like that's enough that's more than enough that's more than what a lot of people are doing a lot of people are staying silent and i think like 
just any way like that. This is a form of advocacy. You know, this is you showing up. So this is just as good as someone who doesn't have the words, but knows that they can be out there providing hand sanitizer. Like to me, it's on the same level right. of you know, advocacy. So I don't think that it looks the same for anyone. I think it's, it's different. And for me, after those two times, like I felt good about that. And I'm not going to keep doing that just because I'm not going to keep upping my risk for, for catching COVID, you know? Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned people staying silent. Like um, on social media, you have a relatively large following. You could be considered an influencer. What do you, uh, I doubt you would shame these people. But what are your thoughts on these people who have these larger platforms who are just staying silent? Um, I think people who are not using their large platforms to, or any platform, I think anyone has a platform who is getting likes. Like if you have people who are liking your content, or reading it, or watching it, or listening to it, then you have an audience. And if you have an audience, you should be utilizing them, or your platform to speak to them. And so I, I don't believe that, like I'm not granting any mercy on people who have followings or platforms and they're not saying anything. Like, I that is a big no-no for me. I've been checking on all the businesses that I support, like all the restaurants that I've I eat at um, everything. I've been checking everyone's mission statements on the on the websites and before I purchase anything because for me, like that's also a form of protesting. Like I'm gonna put my dollars behind corporations and organizations that are like vocal about what's going on. And if they're not speaking against racism or systemic oppression, then they're not gonna get my money. Period. Mm. I'm in a weird space where, like, my job hasn't said anything about anything besides COVID. Yeah. And I can't, I need the money, right? Like, right. but I don't, I don't know what to do. Do you have any advice for that? Nah, um, honestly, like, I believe in, like, like, burnout. And I, I've dealt with that, you know, too. I, and it's it's such a shame because it's like we have to play the game a little you know as much as we can because we're still a part of the system so like we have to pay bills we have to eat and take care of ourselves and in order to do that like we got to get money you know in order to get money like sometimes we have to abide by these systems and these structures that you know don't include us and they don't care about us but like as long as we are aware of that then I think for me, like, that's the best I can do or that's the best you can do is just do your work, get the check, but, like, invest that check into your own personal, right. you know, projects and your own um, professional things that you're trying to do so that eventually the goal would be to, like, be, I would, like, financially emancipated from the system, you know? Like, for me, that's always my, first and foremost, my biggest goal. Like, if I get any kind of, check or money um before like after i pay for my groceries after i pay for my bills like um whatever else i have left over if i do have anything it's like how can i invest that into like one of my personal things that will eventually like liberate me completely from this system right because, I've, yeah i've never donated so much in these past few months than i have in my entire life honestly yeah, seeing all these different GoFundMe's and stuff like that. Um, have you done that as well? I'm sure. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to donate, you know. But for me, like, I took a huge pay cut with my corporate job, and so like for me, and I still was paying rent when I was in Texas. I was paying rent for my Brooklyn apartment and trying to feed myself and stuff. So like financially, it didn't make a lot of sense. Like I had to draw some lines for myself because I was like starting to give, 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 and like not taking care of things at home. So I figured like the best way I could show up was to like, if anything, just keep sharing those stories and keep sharing those links and stuff, you know? So yeah. Um, I, I guess it's, it's fair to say that the George Floyd situation kind of sparked, it was like a domino effect I feel. Once that happened, what's happening now is where we're at. And with yeah. that situation, there was real no gray area. I feel like everything we saw in the video was proof enough and a valid reason for our anger and our, our, and our pain. Yeah. Um, 
when you when you're seeing this in real time, and you're you're getting stressed out, obviously your stress affects your immune system. Like, what what did you do in those moments to bring yourself back down? Did you talk to someone? Did you sleep? Did you eat? Like, what what do you, what are some practices that you use to to calm yourself down? Well, honestly, in the beginning, because this is the thing, I'm I'm sober or I was sober. Now the pandemic happened and quarantine started and I actually started drinking a lot. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of my vices that came back to haunt me from the past of like one of my old coping mechanisms that was very toxic. And for the first few weeks, two or three weeks, like I was drinking a lot every single day. And I realized that, you know, I would still wake up the next morning and the pain was still there. And I realized like this, you know, I came so far, like I had been three years sober and um, I was mad at myself for that. And it was bringing me more down. And so I decided to stop again. And so, you know, I had the little like two or three weeks where I was, I had broken the sobriety, but like um, I got back to that and after that, I started replacing all the times I, I would drink. Instead, I was praying and I was meditating. Mm. So, like, I just would have random conversations out loud, you know. Um, and I also would do this thing at night um, before bed. I would play, like, on YouTube, I would just look up um, affirmations. And I would play that until I fell asleep. So, like, just um, positive affirmations that someone would repeat on, you know, to me, and then I would knock out. And the next, it would help because the next day, and I still do it every night now, but the next day I wake up and I feel like lighter, I feel more motivated, and that's really been helping. That's amazing. And you're currently still not drinking, right? Yeah, I have, I, I don't plan on it. Like, I just, when I commit to something, I, I'm pretty good at keeping that, so... There's a lot of things that I'm like saying absolutely no to right now. And that's one of them. Hmm. Yeah. What about uh, certain relationships that you've had with people? Like, have you noticed any changes in them during this time? Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing. It's like, there's certain people that I was talking to every day. I was, you know, kicking it with, and like, I have not spoken to them. I erased their number, you know, and I don't even know if they know that I did all that because I I have no idea. They don't have a way to contact me. But that for me, like I had to purge certain relationships and friendships and stuff. And um, I did it in a graceful way. Like I didn't I didn't explain to certain people like why they're not going to hear from me. But I know from my own mental health, like. I just had to get rid of certain relationships or at least cut them off from right now because I know I'm not in a good, I wasn't in a good headspace to like receive the, the type of love or connection that they had. And, um, or they were triggering, they were triggering to something that, you know, was not good for me. So, um, yeah, so my friend group looks different right now. You know, I have like a lot of good solid people in my life, but I'm not looking for any new friends and I'm not like, I'm pretty like closed down in that category. Like, you know, cause I just, I need to focus on me right now. So were any of these friends, like did they happen to be not black and did they like maybe their, re their reception of what's going on and maybe affect that? Um, no, they not really, but I do have a black friend cause, cause they're, they're all black, but like one of them, uh, was starting to get really close to a white person who like had different views than me and I just to me it's like you're guilty by association so like I can't I can't mess with that right now you know like I just so but I'm not at the same time like I don't have all the energy in the world to try to like change people's minds and try to educate them and inform them and like that's something that I had to to, like draw a boundary with because some of my like white friends or peers or coworkers like they've been texting me and emailing me and asking me all these questions and I'm like you need to do your own work and your own research like right. I'm not your like dictionary for like Black Lives Matter like you <laughs> you need to like go out and do your own work and 
you know, in order to like be, and that's, I don't know, that part is just kind of weird to me. Cause it's like, once, when the George Floyd thing happened, like all of a sudden, all of these white people who want to be allies, which I'm like, I'm so confused. I'm like, do black people just like turn up one day? Like, really? like, it's like as if we're like a new thing that just showed up. Like, and yeah. people are like, oh my God, black people. <laughs> it's like, bro, like we've been out here. We've been creating movies and books and we've been accomplishing great things and in- inventing things. And like, I'm so confused, but I understand, I guess like people are waking, waking up and like this is a new trend right now. <laughs> And so I'm like, cool, I'm happy to help or point you in the right direction, but like, I'm not gonna read the book for you. I'm not gonna, like, you read the book and then you come talk to me, <laughs> like, or, you know, do your own research and then let's let's have a conversation. But like, you can't pick my brain, like about what being anti-racist means or, or what a black struggle is. Like, I don't even feel comfortable speaking to that completely, you know, like, because my experience obviously is, would be different than yours, you know, or different than my mother's. So who's a black woman, you know, and I'm, I'm biracial. Like I have my own experience, but I also have my privileges too. And I've, I acknowledge those privileges. And so, yeah, I don't feel like the authority for like Black Lives Matter movement. Like I'm not that, you know, I can't do that. I feel like that's a kind of a perfect transition. So are you familiar with what happened with like J. Cole and No Name and the song exchanges they did? Yeah, yeah. A little um, bit. A little bit. So what I got from that is the one thing that kept coming up in those conversations is tone, right? J. Cole wasn't receptive to how No Name uh, expressed her views on how celebrities are maintaining their time and, and contributing, right? Yeah. And I feel that hit a, hit a nerve from him because... I'm not really sure why it hit in there, but it's um, it was a bit of a weird situation. And one thing I got from his song is that he was looking to her to give him in- information rather than shame him for not knowing. Mm. And I'm curious your thoughts on this. Like, I feel like sometimes in our community, mostly like people who literally don't know things get shamed for not knowing. And mm the response to it is usually like, what, how could you not know that? How could you know about uh, what happened 20 years ago? How could you not know this? It's like, it's like really like kind of, I, it can be perceived as aggressive, but yeah. I feel like it's out of frustration because the person who's look, looking for the information is leaning on that person to teach them when they can do the work themselves. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious, what, do you, what are your thoughts on people just not knowing and seeking information and then the response to it being that aggressive tone um yeah i think like for me i never work in that aggressive way like i'm very passionate but my passion um doesn't mean i I have to be aggressive or hostile and like that's something i had to learn as i got older and wiser because definitely like my passion used to be aggression and it used to be anger and it used to be hostility but I realized as I've gotten older, I think that's tied to like ego. And I've always, every with every year, I'm 30 years old. And like with every year of my life, I've always tried to shed the ego more and more. And so now when people, when I, I can sense when someone's coming to me in a genuine ma- manner and they really want to learn something. And in that case, I'm not going to like meet them with aggression or shame them because I'm like, that's awesome that, someone is that they're trying to learn something and they trust me to point them in the right direction. Like I, I really appreciate that. And I feel honored when someone wants to include me in their growth journey, like, um, or they look at me as a reliable source for that. But when someone feel when I, I can also on the flip side, sense when someone is just being lazy or they're not being genuine and they're just looking to me as a as a passionate person and they want to exploit my passion and they're like you have all the answers or you've done the work tell me you know it's it's the equivalent to someone cheating on a test and sitting down and just copying someone's paper it's it's not fair and it's not okay and versus if someone genuinely you had a study buddy and 
you were really working hard to try to get an A on that test, but you know, your skills aren't there or you were lacking in certain information, but your study buddy understands they have compassion for it and they, you know, they give you some answers or they point you in the right direction. To me, that's different. And I, I'm more of that person, you know, I'm willing to work with you if you are willing to work. And if you are, if you want to be a student, if you want to learn and I have resources or answers or tools, I'll be, I'll gladly provide them. I'll gladly point you in the right direction, but I'm not just going to hand you a paper with all the cheat codes. I'm not going to do that. I think that's the problem. It's like, it's like a back and forth between the black man and black woman. It's like, we're looking for each other to lead, but yeah. in my opinion, I feel like we should be sitting next to each other, exchanging information equally. Yeah. Um, but I, I just thought that situation was very interesting because first, I think the timing was wrong. Um, but so was she shaming him? Is that? Um, no, I, I, I don't think she was shaming him. I think she was just shaming celebrities in general, just not using their platform correctly uh, during this time. And but like she, she did that to a, a series of tweets first. And then J. Cole's song seemingly was like random. But I guess he heard the song and maybe personalized it and his ego got, got involved in the situation. And then, then his song response came. Mm -hmm. um, but another conversation around that topic I've seen is like policing tone. And I've been guilty of saying things just how, how, I, how it comes in my mind and how it is in my heart. I'll just say it without any regard of how someone will internalize it. Yeah. And I think we do need to be more conscious with how we say things. But when I look at like a situation like Sandra Bland, who was just saying how she felt and she was murdered because of that. I check myself and it's like, no, fuck that. Just say yeah. how you feel regardless. So it, it's just like a, it's like a weird battle with, with that situation and tone and how we say things because we could get killed for less. So. Yeah. yeah. That, and that's something that I deal with often. Like I'm very uncensored with my, I'm, I'm, I'm mindful and aware of how people might receive something, but I still speak my truth. And mm -hmm. I am very unfiltered and uncensored with my own personal stories because they're my stories and no one can tell me different or they're my experiences. So I, I do fear that sometimes I fear that those things will get me in trouble. And um, especially being someone who is a part of the corporate environment or someone who I work with organizations, I work with corporate structures, I do fear sometimes that that's going to hurt me in the end with like getting my bag, you know, and getting my check because yeah. people want you to fit into a certain box and they want you to be obedient to them and to their, that they want you to have a certain amount of manners and, you know, chivalry, which is why like I'm from the South, but that's always been something I disagreed with. I don't believe in um, Southern hospitality in the sense of, just being polite for the sake of being polite. Like you have to earn that shit. And I'm not gonna just hold a door open for you or call you yes ma'am or, or no sir. I don't, I've never said yes ma'am in my whole life because I've, since I was little, I've always been very defiant in that way. I don't believe in those social norms. And, but for that reason, you know, that has sometimes like bit me in the ass with trying to move forward in my career because people know that when they're, you know, buying in on me or some kind of plan or idea I have, like, they know that they're going to be taking a chance with me, like, not being filtered. And, and not, you know, even the way that I present myself, I don't, um, I don't always iron my clothes. I, I wear my hair natural, out in the afro, as big as I can get it. Like, I, you know, there's certain things, I have a lot of tattoos and, I, there's just certain things about my presentation even that, you know, I'll, I walk up into a board meeting, but like I'm wearing chucks and I'm chilling and I'm wearing jeans and people are confused and they, they will judge me um, before they hear me speak or before they read my resume. And then they're confused. They're conflicted because they, they know like I offer the things that they're looking for on a logical level, on an intellectual level or professional level, but like at the same time, I'm saying this, I talk like this, 
and I look like this. And it's like I'm constantly dealing with um, that. But for me, I, I've made up my, my mind a long time ago when I entered this world, the, especially just as a professional, like I made such a commitment to myself to remain true to my identity. Every single thing about my identity, I'm, I own it 100%. And because it, this is who I am and I cannot hide it. it, it would hurt me so badly to have to hide any, any parts of my, my identity ever, you know? So that's a commitment like that I made to myself is that I will not do that no matter how much it costs me. Mm. That's, that's an incredible mind state to achieve. I feel, especially during this time when we're seeing black people are seeing other black people being killed just for who they are and their situation, whatever, just like random, I don't want to say random, but like black people are just being killed, right? So I feel like some people in our community may be developing a mentality that who they are and the way they look just isn't acceptable. And then, then they won't appreciate themselves. Like we aren't appreciated anywhere we go. Yeah. There's nowhere we can go where we're safe from racism. There's nowhere we can go we are safe from hate. Yeah. And I think more people need to develop your mentality, but I just don't know how we could tell them to, because it's all about who you are, your inside of your core. I mean, yeah. when you're saying these things, like, and I'm saying these things, I'm talking to myself as well, because I deal with my insecurities and I, I wear them on my sleeve and I'm trying to navigate my way through this world as a black man. And it's just, it's hard to, I guess, fully, this is just strictly how I feel. It's hard for me to fully accept who I am when I'm not accepted anywhere. Mm. Even within my own communities, like I feel like people look at me sometimes and they don't even see a black man. I get confused for someone who's Indian or whatever. And it's yeah. just like, I know myself in my core, but you see something different. And it's like, it's really frustrating. Yeah. And I just, I don't, I don't know how you achieve that fully comfortable mind state, that fully sure of yourself mind state of who you are. It's just really hard when you're presented with so many examples of who you are is not accepted, you know? Yeah. So I I, can, I'm, de I'm definitely yeah. working on that. You know what? But like I said, I'm, and I really believe this, like you're doing more than enough. You as an individual are doing way more than enough because this world and this, this nation and this society was not built to, for someone like you. Like they, they didn't give a fuck when like the powers that be uh, colonized this land, like they did not, they saw you as a commodity. They saw you as property. They didn't see you as a human being. And so, that's perfectly understandable to me when I hear that, you know, that struggle that you, a, you or a person like you experiences, you know, and just having to navigate all those things all the time, like, that just must be so exhausting. Like, cause I know what my experience is like, you know, dealing with certain things, but that's, I still have privileges. Like I'm still a woman who, you know, if I'm in the right group of, of people and it's like a male dominated room and they're like straight males, like I know I could finesse the hell out of that room or I, there's certain things that I have a privilege to do or I have a light skin privilege, you know? And I understand that um, I, 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 those are things that I can use um, to my advantage in society or the way that, you know, I'm well-read and well-spoken and, I understand that that can captivate somebody and, and that could take away that, you know, that's a privilege that I have. And I'm acknowledging those things versus, you know, if you, people off, off rip, like as soon as you walk into a room, if it's not going to be a room full of other black people, like you're going to be met with some weird tension all the time. Like that's your whole life. That's your whole experience. It's like having to navigate spaces that don't, uh, that up until recently really, or not even, I don't know, you know, but they don't include you. They don't consider you. They don't, they don't look at you and think of a equal human being. They, they think of, you know, there's just all this um, very like deep rooted racism that still exists. That's still, you know, this modern day slavery that 
and just all these things that, that still exist. You know, it didn't end when Jim Crow era ended. It didn't end when segregation started in the civil rights movement. It didn't, it didn't end when MLK started marching. Like, it, it didn't end when Abraham Lincoln, you know, signed the law for slavery to end like that. It didn't end, you know, it still is going on every day. And um, so I commend you or, you know, any black brother who's out here and who's like really doing the damn thing, because I think that's just very risky. And you're navigating a world successfully that like was not made with you in mind. So that's big. That means a lot. And um, the world that we are in, I feel like with certain states reopening, just Texas just reopened. Um, yeah. COVID still exists. And people are like thirsty for normalcy because we've been trapped in the house for so long. People are looking at any chance to get back to whatever normal is to them. And being that you're back in New York, um, certain things are opening over there. How thirsty are you for normalcy? Will you be doing certain things that you were doing prior to the pandemic or will you still move cautiously? No, I'm definitely going to move cautiously for the rest of this year, at least. I'm I'm not, um, I've been, I hung out with a few people, not, not since I got back to New York, but in Texas, I was hanging out with some people, but I was always socially distanced. I was, I didn't hug anyone. I didn't touch anyone. Um, you know, even my family, like my niece and nephew, I was just very careful. And um, so I'm going to remain careful. Um, that's why I said part of the, that's part of the reason why I'm not really even trying to make any new friends or anything. Because if I don't know what your life is like or your background is like, then I can't fuck with it right now. Like I'm not trying to get to know it, you know, or like trying. I don't want to question somebody's like what their own, um, you know, what their own health standards are and stuff. Like I'm not trying to do all that. So I'm definitely I'm in the house and. I, I ordered my, my groceries delivery and like, I'm really like so serious about all of this because I would be the, you know, knock on wood, but I would be one of the first to go. Like if something happened, you know, I, I just, my immune system's not built to fight off things. So like, I have to be very precautious. And are you still able to see like a, a doctor regularly uh, to maintain your condition? Yeah, yeah. I see. Um, I get an infusion or like um, it's like a chemo like treatment, but it's not as harsh as cancer chemo. Um, like I don't my hair doesn't fall out or anything, but I get that every three months. And so I'm due for my next one, my next treatment, and I'll be getting that in a couple weeks. Um, and I've still been going to other doctor's appointments and just like wearing my mask and um, cause I just, I have a lot of doctors, I have a lot of medical issues. So that that's all tied to like the, the illness. So, um, I, I take care of all that. I'd still get my prescriptions, take all my medicine and stuff. And yeah, I've just been really diligent about that. Like more than ever, because I'm trying to stay on top of this. As you should. Are, are you, do you like, uh, like wash down and spray down all your groceries and stuff like that? You put them in the tub or something like that? Um, I, I haven't, I didn't wipe down my groceries, but I wiped down all my handles, all the light switches. Um, like I splurged yesterday as a treat to myself on a housekeeper. So I was, you know, it was just something like mentally when I got back to my apartment, I was like, I need, I have no idea what's been happening here the last three months. So I'm going to go ahead and do this and hopefully I won't regret the purchase, but I did that and it felt really good, you know, to have someone like really like deep clean everything before I like lay down and felt comfortable about it. So I even like I got rid of my sheets because I'm like, I'm trying to remember who was in my sheets last time. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, let me just get some new sheets and start over. Because um, when I left here and went to Texas, like I kind of left in a frenzy, you know, like. So there's just a lot that I left behind and like didn't think twice about. So that's why, and I don't know what's been going on since I since I was away. So um, I just decided to kind of start over new in that way, just to give myself like a little bit of peace of mind. And does like the energy even feel the same as before you left? 
Like, does it just, I don't know, when you just walk outside or be in your apartment, does it feel the same? No, all? not at all. It feels so surreal. Like, I went around the corner yesterday and today to get some coffee and, because I'm still trying to, like, support my local coffee shops and I'm, like, a huge coffee person. So, um, I, I was taking my stroll to get my coffee and it just, it's like such a ghost town over here. It's so weird. It's like so quiet, but I'm, I, I like it. I'm really enjoying this because this isn't typical New York. You know, this isn't the experience that I thought that was going to be 2020. So I'm, I'm trying to embrace it and really enjoy this peace and solitude because I realized like how much I needed this and I haven't had this in so long. This is literally like a, a reset standstill button. Like I feel December 31st, 1159, 2019, nobody could have expected any of this. We all had plans. We all had things set in stone and all that's gone. Going forward with your expectations, do you have any or do you just, will you just take each day for what it is? Definitely just going to take each day for what it is and you know, just be gentle on myself because I feel like I, 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 this, yeah, like you said, this is a reset. And for me, this is a pause too. And not even a pause, but it's a slowdown. Like I've been doing everything much more slower and not being as rushed, not feeling as much pressure. Like I said, even with my nine to five, with my job, I'm working off of deadlines all the time, tight deadlines, but I work best under pressure, so I, I will, I get to the things when I get to them, but I don't stress myself out too much, and I'm just trying to, un, you know, realize or, or remember every day, like that I wake up, that's a blessing, and that's enough. And if that's the biggest thing that I do all day is wake up and change into some clothes and put on some makeup, then that's cool. That could be fine. You know, I don't, I'm trying not to hold myself to such high standards that I've basically have been doing my whole adult life. And I'm just, if, if I still have a job, if I'm still able to feed myself and I have a roof over my head, like that's good. I'm good right there. Yeah. As long as you have that, I think that's fine. I've, I've been trying to like um, <laughs> maintain some bit of what life was for me prior to all of this, like, uh, working out at home is not easy, as you can imagine. Being in the comfort of your own home, you don't want to really do anything but enjoy that comfort. Yeah. So I've been trying to, like, chip away at that shell of, like, laziness and non-motivation. Yeah. So, even to do podcasting is kind of hard. Like, I mean, it doesn't feel the same. Like, yeah. talking through the phone, it's it, it's kind of more taxing than in person, for my, in my opinion. Really? Uh, yeah, because it's, I don't know, it's like, you got to go through the form of like setting up the call and like getting in the chat, whatever. It's like, yeah. so many extra steps. I just prefer to talk to people in person. It doesn't yeah. feel as real. I mean, it, it's real, but I don't know, like the level of intimacy that comes with it is just lost, I feel. Yeah. And I think that's where we're going to be stuck in for, I'm, I'm choosing to stay stuck in this for the rest of the year. Yeah. But, um... Like, did you feel that at all? Like, you couldn't even when you, you couldn't even hug your family. Like, the loss yeah. of int intimacy is is gone because of COVID. Like, did that, do you think about yeah. that? Um, honestly, like I have, I don't know if we spoke about this last time, but I do not care to hug people. <laughs> I'm not a big hugger, and I think that's probably some childhood issues, to be honest. But I. You know, I, um, I'm i not that physically intimate. Like, that's not my first nature. So it's okay for me. I, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm missing out on, like, hugging people and all that. But, um, and if anything, I'm taking this moment as a time to, because I'm single. So I'm taking this moment as a time to, like, really um, date myself. Like, I'm just with me and that's fine. And I'm, I'm, I like it. I, it's, it's been such a long time since I've really been single, not just kind of single and dating some people on the side, but like really single, not doing anything with anyone. Yeah. It was really good to just, to just have me all to myself. And 
you know, and I'm so I'm really appreciating that and I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm laying in the middle of the bed spread out like, wow, this feels so good, you know, because I haven't had any of that in so long. And I didn't realize how, how badly I needed that alone time in that space. Like this is it feels good to me. I think the the main thing that I the main thing for me has just been the motivation. Like that's been my biggest issue during quarantine is just being feeling motivated and like you said, just feeling lazy and you know, like not wanting to even get dressed or I don't want to make anything to eat. I want to eat because I'm hungry, but I want to make it. Yeah. You know, and like just it's just a lot for me. But the intimacy and the in-person stuff, not so much, just because and then like, you know, like I said earlier, I have always felt a lot of pressure to say yes to everything and to show up to everything. Right. And this is giving me a good excuse to like not show up. You know? <laughs> Very true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to keep making excuses. I can just be like, bro, we're in a pandemic. Like I'm not <laughs> <laughs> That's so perfect. <laughs> I really, I'm like, it's funny. I'm on the flip side of that. Like, I actually started my relationship that I'm in now literally at the cusp, like the beginning. Yeah. So it's been really unique because we've been taking like two week increments to see each other just to stay safe with the whole 14 day thing. It's different. It's not easy, but it's been providing me a form of solace I think I would have needed if I didn't have it during this time. That's good. Like having that one person to like go to about whatever's going on. It's, uh, I don't know. I've always felt like more comfortable speaking to my friends and my, my partners than my actual family. I'm not sure yeah. if that's weird. Maybe I, something I, I know it's something I need to really work on, but um, I, I just feel more comfortable. I feel like I can open up more. But, and, but yeah, I think honestly, this relationship I'm in mean, has definitely um, been one of my saving graces during this time for sure. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't really encourage it. Like, I mean, it's people crave that intimacy. They crave that touch, that whatever. But like, don't put your life at risk for this shit. Yeah, I mean? but I mean, that's that sounds that's beautiful. Like, I think some people, some of my friends who are in relationships, I think this is really like this is the a big moment to experience with someone else. So that's also I think that that. That really, for people who are just dating and stuff, I think if if two people can make it during a situation like this, then this that says a lot about the solidness of y'all's of a relationship. So I know that the person I was with before this wasn't shit. So <laughs> we wouldn't have made this. <laughs> yeah, it was a wrap. We we quarantined together for like the first week, and then that's when I was like. All right, I'm gonna head out to Texas because mm. it just wasn't, and that's why I, you know, but that that was my own personal thing. I think that this really does make or break a lot of situations with friends, family, um, all of that, roommates, everyone. So yeah, I, I felt coming into this year, this year would make or break everyone in different ways, but I definitely didn't expect it in this way. Yeah, it's the just the pressure of coming into a new decade. It felt like an end all be all thing, and yeah, the strong will survive, the the weak will not. And unfortunately, the way it turned out, it's kind of that's kind of true. But I yeah. expected in this way. Uh, like two more questions. Um, this is kind of like a, a quote. I've been listening to a lot of Dr. Umar Johnson. You familiar with him? Mm-hmm. He's he's really he's like one of the most problematic smart people I've heard speak. <laughs> um, and he said that he had an interesting quote on like protests and this my background and my thoughts on protesting prior to this year I felt like they were really pointless I felt like there was like a lot of like hype around it and people the, the unity was great but I feel like there was really no action after the protest yeah. and it, one thing he said from an interview he did with the breakfast club is he said protests are the marketing pram, marketing pr- pr- uh, program to let the world know what you stand for. And that's so simple, but it's like so true. And I feel like without the protesting that's been going on post George Floyd and like Breonna Taylor, most recently Elijah McCain or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
I think if no one protested or said anything about this, the world would just continue on. Mm -hmm. And being someone that's at protests, post the protest, have you noticed any change? Yeah, no, I, I, that's perfect. I totally agree with that. It's definitely setting a, a tone. And it's, I think that what's happening right now with the protest is, is changing social media as we know it. And, you know, we, everyone's like back to normal, I guess, with their selfies and stuff. But then it's like, okay, what about Breonna Taylor? You know, we're still bringing these things back into the conversation. We're not, and from what I see, we're not straying away from it yet, but I do anticipate that it's gonna die down because that's what happens with any movement. But, you know, I do hope that people really, like this is ingrained in them, that there needs to be change. There needs to be um, different actions after the, the protest trend like dies down or whatever, like we need to continue the work every single day, um, especially more than ever, like the the non-POC allies, the white people, you know, or the white passing people um, need to really show up and step up. And I know mentally, like in my mind, I'm going to be making notes. Uh, anyone who I see, any of my coworkers or any anyone that I know who's white, who I'm friends with or cool with, like, y'all got to step your game up like every day of your life you have to step up your game right. and be aware and um so yeah i just hope that it doesn't you know the passion and all that doesn't die down after it's like not cool anymore to post protest pics yeah the media is doing a good job of like not really showing it up on the feeds and stuff like that so yeah. you think it's over but uh, one thing he said, another thing he said is white people have freedom, white people have freedom, the ability to make decisions without external control. Black people have liberty, the ability to make decisions of external control given to you. Uh, did I misquote this, this quote? Damn it. Black people have liberty, the ability to make decisions of external control gave to you, uh, like given to you, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious if you agree with that. I, I think I botched the quote, but... Um, the difference between freedom and liberty. Do you, from your perception of our community, Black people, do you think we are free? Or do you think we are still shackled by other people's control of what we do and how we live? Yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think as a, as a whole demographic that we're free at all. As a whole race, race is, it's a, it's a social construct, but as black people, people with melanin, no, I, I don't think, I think a lot of us are still very much oppressed and we try to appease the white presence, the white people in the room. We try to, you know, we code switch, we change up how we speak, we change our posture. Um, up until, you know, the, the natural hair movement really took off years ago, you know, we were changing our hair and like everything. We were really adjusting, you know, to the white gaze. Like the, it, it was always about how do they perceive us or do they accept us? And, you know, and that gave us a lot of inferiority complexes that we carry with us because of our ancestors. And, you know, but I, I do have hope that in 2020, we're finally like, getting close to dismantling this. Like when we're talking about abolishing um, police, the, the police system and, you know, reconfiguring the justice system. And like, we're, we're really like, we're talking about that. I'm like, all right, bet. Like I have hope in this future um, when it comes to what a, a race, racist free world looks like. Like I actually do have hope. I didn't think I was ever gonna see that in my lifetime or my kids' lifetime, but I have hope that, you know, I think it's like, it's becoming more and more unacceptable to publicly be racist or to even be quietly racist. And um, so I'm really down with that. And I, I have hope, I have a lot of hope, but I do think that as it stands right now, we are, a lot of us are still very much oppressed, but I think we're breaking into a new phase, so. 
I, I agree with everything you said. And I, this is why I love perspective, because I felt like from from my side of things, I feel like the the escalation of the aggression and the oppression is because the, their grip on this is loosening. I feel yeah. like we have more black women, women and men who are in positions of power with leverage and more lawyers and doctors and stuff like that. Yeah. And just educated and aware. So, and I think that's what scares them is our awareness and mm-hmm. our focus. So this is why I feel like we are freer than we've ever been. And I think, again, the escalation of the aggression is because of that. Yeah. So I definitely agree with what you're saying. No, yeah, I I agree with you. There's a lot of, the, it's the awareness. Like, yeah, I agree with that. It's it's the level of awareness that we have. It's it's scary for, I'm sure, white people are like, whoa, we didn't know that they were gonna pick up on all this stuff that we were doing. And yeah, it's making me happy. It's making me hopeful. But I do think that there's there's still a lot of problematic things that are happening. Like I, I you know, the fact that there's these looters and rioters who are like exploiting this movement that should be very peaceful. And I understand their rage. I do. I understand people's rage completely. I understand it. And it, that's like a that's a form of anger against like capitalism. And I totally agree. I understand it, but I don't think that it's necessary i think that it's actually counterproductive because a lot of times they're the people who are uh, looting and rioting are like actually destroying like disenfranchised communities and like it's going to require more money to reconstruct that and like the way that the system is put in place right now there's not money in in dollars that are allocated towards caring about like those communities so i think that's counterproductive to loot and riot but I understand the rage and the anger that's behind it, um, but that that still exists. So that's why I say like there's still a lot of our society is still very much oppressed because, and then there's 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 the rappers, you know, there's certain music that I like who they still call women bitches and they still say I got chains on me like a slave and like they use punchlines and things that to me just sound so oppressed, even though it's like it will be on a beat that I'm like yeah I fuck with this. At the same time, I'm like, oh, what they're saying is very problematic. And they, there's a lot of self-hatred or a lot of unawareness of who they are and where they come from. So until that is completely wiped out, you know, then I think for that reason, I don't think we're completely liberated. Absolutely. I'm not sure if we had this segment on the podcast when the last time you came on, but don't sleep. Did it sound familiar? Mm-mm. Okay, so a segment on our podcast is called Don't Sleep, where it's basically we recommend something to our audience they shouldn't sleep on. It could be something as simple as the food you have, or it could be something a bit deeper. And mine is, I think people shouldn't sleep on, um, people shouldn't sleep on the belief that things will change. Um, and what I mean by that is, like, we are, this is like the darkest times I think we've collectively, again, like we've all been in especially in our age group. Yeah. It's hard to find the hope within it all, especially when you have constant reminders of things happening back to back. But if you convince yourself and you live in a space of, of hope and belief, and this is me, I'm telling this to the audience, but I'm also telling this to myself, that if you live, live in a space of hope, then the reality that you shape will mirror that. Mm-hmm. So things will change eventually if you put in the work and you believe that things will get better. Um, So I just encourage everyone to don't sleep on hope, don't sleep on change, and uh, don't sleep on the belief that things will get better. Do you happen to have anything? I'll piggyback off of that. I would say don't sleep off on manifestations. Like to me, I'm a writer and I believe heavily in the power of words. And when I manifest something, I've been doing this for like very actively for about six or seven years, I would say. And I journal everything that I want. I write it down. I meditate on words every day. So I'll think of certain words or if I see a sign or like I'm always noticing signs and symbols and I'll think about those things all day. And like if they... I feel like they're guiding me down a certain path and I'm going to listen to that because I think that's the universe like speaking to me. And 
I'll manifest certain things. And I even manifested that I was going to be in an empty apartment. Like I wrote down in my journal in January that I was going to need solitude and silence. And like, I, here I am and I, I have it. And it's, it, I'm like, wow, this isn't what I expected, how it was going to happen. But like, that's just, that's the power of my words or that's the power of my request is, you know, if you say it, you start believing it. And if you start believing it, it's going to happen. And so I would say the same thing, like keep the hope, keep the faith and know that change is going to come. Right. You're amazing. Thank, Thank you, you so much. <laughs> Thanks. Um, please shout out where people can follow and support you. Um, everything is my name. So it's my first name is Devry, D-E-V-R-I. And my last name is Velasquez. So just type in V and hopefully it'll auto-populate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be in the bio for this episode and all that. Uh, one last thing I want to tell you. My book is done. I finished my book last month. Really? Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> Actually, tomorrow I'm going to start the publishing phase of it. So wow. I, I wanted you to be the first to know. That is amazing. Do you... Are you going to share the name or we have to wait? I'm, I'm going to wait a little bit. Okay. But uh, yeah, I'll probably, honestly, I'll probably send you over like a little uh, the copy I have when it's all done. Nice. Yeah, I'll definitely. That is awesome. That gives me a lot of motivation because I have not written anything for mine in months. So yeah, like I'll open up the documents and then I just close them because I'm like, I just haven't been motivated to do that. So that gives me a lot of inspiration. That's awesome. I, I was like that for a while, but I just buckled down and somehow got it done. I'm still scared to actually say I'm officially done, but yeah, I'm just gonna just leave it alone. <laughs> just leave it alone. No, you just manifested like it's gonna happen. You're gonna sell a lot of copies. A lot of people are gonna like it. I'm telling. I'm saying all that right now to the universe. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's it. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, obviously support Debbie, Debbie and follow her, uh, follow us on social media, subscribe to our YouTube channel, all that. And, uh, that's it. Thank you again, Debbie. <laughs> Thank you. Stay safe. All right. You too.